This morning I want to talk to you a little bit about how many know there's, there ought to be a flow, that we shouldn't be in stagnant waters, that we need to be in waters that are going somewhere, waters that have an input and an output, and not just a stagnant pond. Ponds are beautiful. Some, of, some, some Christians look good, but they don't flow. They might be deep, but they don't flow. And it's time that we flow. I noticed something in the Gospel of John, and we're going to get to the seventh chapter in just a little bit. Familiar passage. We preached on it so many times. But the, you know, how many know? How many know the words like an onion? You just keep and you just keep finding more stuff there. But I noticed something that the that water is talked about in the first seven chapters of the book of John. So John must be up to something. Those kinds of things are not coincidences. So so in chapter 1, Jesus is baptized in water. He goes under the water, and he's baptized. And that's, that's, you know, we should all be baptized. In chapter 2, he turns water into wine. And and in this case, the water represents, you know, religion, but, but God can turn it into something living and lively. He can turn water into wine. Can I get an amen? In chapter 3, he says you must be born of water and the Spirit. So we have to be born of water. There's, there's natural processes that, that happen and, and the wine. You can almost say the blood. In chapter 4, he speaks to the woman at the well, right? So he, he, sends, he sends the disciples off to McDonald's to get a happy meal, and he's, he stays at the well, and he meets that woman, right? We, oh, we, you know we preached on that so many times. In chapter 5, <laughs> in chapter 5, uh, he, he, uh, he heals, where am I? He heals Chapter 5, he heals the woman at the pool. Chapter 6, he walks on the water. Come on. He walks on the water. See, sometimes water is symbolic of the Spirit, and sometimes water is, when it's turbulent, water is symbolic of the world. Water can be symbolic of turbulence. It can be symbolic of sinking in in water. But listen, he walks on the water. When the disciples are scared and the, and, and the disciples are going down, he's walking on the water. Amen. Yeah, I pray God will start giving us an attitude and a disposition where instead of feeling like we're drowning all the time, we can actually walk on the trouble. Amen. Whatever the devil throws at us, let's just walk on it. Just say, well, I mean, don't say thank you, devil, but take what the devil gives you and walk on it. Amen. That's a good place to praise the Lord if you know what I'm talking about. So chapter 6, he, he, he walks on the water. And then chapter 7, let's go there. And in verse 37 through 39, John talks about on the last day that great day of the feast. What feast is he talking about? Tabernacles. He's talking about tabernacles. Even then, it was seven days long. This is the last day. They're blowing trumpets. They're celebrating. This is a feast of celebrating, camping out with Jesus. Amen? So that great day of the feast, on the last day, on the seventh day, just like today, Jesus stood and he cried out. Don't miss that. He cried out. How many know they didn't have microphones? So he raised his voice really loud and got everyone's attention. 
He's not just talking to two or three people. He's trying to talk to hundreds there in the temple area. So he cries out, if anyone thirsts, how many, how many know he got everyone's attention? What, what are you offering, Jesus? What are you offering? If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Next verse, what does he say? He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, out of his innermost being, literally, out of his gut, out of his innermost being, shall flow, the Greek there, gush, erupt, flow, rivers of living waters. Ah, glory to God. If you believe in him, something's coming out of you. If you believe in him, it's not just that, oh, now I can go to heaven. No, when you believe in him, something's coming out of you. Verse 39, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given. Pentecost had not come because Jesus was not yet glorified. So out of this, out of this great, you know, this little mini sermon that he gives, and, and that's all he says, that's all that's recorded, you know, and it's like everyone's just scratching their head. What does he mean? But for those that are thirsty, they're going to respond to that message. They don't understand it. We may not understand. You may not know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about thirst. You, don't, you know, what's this river coming out of us? This, this is new to me. I don't understand what you're talking about. But, but for those that are thirsty, even if we don't understand, we're attracted. So three things about what Jesus said here. First of all, there is a thirst. Say, there's a thirst. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty. Now listen to me. Thirst is not water. That's two different things. The thirst is not the water. Thirst is the trigger that makes you want to have water. Thirst is something God put in us. You cannot, you can go 40 days maybe without food, but you can only go three days without water and you're dead. The body is 70% water. That's why we crave water. We might be 70% water, but we're 100% spirit. We've got all the spirit in us we need. And that spirit will also trigger thirst. Now listen. Nobody has to teach you to get thirsty. Even the littlest baby will cry when it's thirsty. It's not taught. It's in us. It's built into us. And how many know, obviously I'm not talking about natural water now, but there is a spiritual thirst in us as well. We crave water because we are made of water and we crave the things of the Spirit because we are also made of Spirit. Listen, we all thirst for something. Problem is the world really can't quench it. People act up because they're thirsty. Are you, are you getting where I'm going with this? See, people get addicted to things because they're thirsty. And it just winds up being an addiction. 
People get into sexual perversion because they're thirsty for a relationship and they confuse it with pornography. Pornography or sexual sin will never quench the thirst. It only, really, it only makes you more thirsty. It's like drinking salt water. It's not really, it's probably, if all you drink is salt water, you're just going to want more. In fact, your body can't handle that, can't process that. If you drink salt water, you're going to die. And that's exactly what people are doing because they're drinking the water of the world and not the water of the Spirit. Amen. Does that make sense to everybody? You see, what you've got to understand, watch this now, is the entire uh, advertising industrial complex. How about that for a phrase? The advertising industrial complex, their entire goal, job, description, purpose in life is to convince you you need something. Let me put it another way. It's their job to convince you you're lacking something, and they have the answer. I don't care what the advertising is. I don't care if you listen to the radio, to the TV, to billboards, reading a magazine. Uh, 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 how many know uh, Facebook even, social media? There's commercials everywhere. And every single commercial tells you you're lacking and you need something. We all thirst for something, but the world can't quench it. I've been reading stories lately. There seems to be a, a lot of celebrities getting saved lately. Have you all been noticing that? He was uh, great. He, he was an alcoholic. And someone just told him, why don't you just trust me? He said, oh, what have I got to lose? Anthony Hopkins. And, and now this great actor is serving the Lord, uh, not because anyone talked him into it, but it proved it proved that that was the answer. And he says, I talk to young actors all the time that are aspiring, trying to get to greatness. And he says, listen to me. You've got to listen to me. He said, he said, you can climb to the top of the tree, but when you get there, there's nothing there. Climb to the very top of the tree, but when you get there, there's nothing there. He said, it's nothing. It's nothing. Amen. You're pursuing something that will never quench your thirst. And he's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter how much money you make, you'll never be happy because you'll always want more and more. What about these billionaires? I mean, how much money do you need? And they just keep climbing. But there's nothing there. One man put it another way. He says, I, you know, you put your ladder on the wall of success and you get to the top and you realize you put your ladder on the wrong wall. And you climb to the top, but you're on the wrong wall. There is a ladder. It's called Jacob's Ladder. And we need to get the right ladder on the right wall and start climbing the things of God because that's the only thing that's going to quench your thirst. John 4, 7, Jesus cried out. Watch this. A woman of, of Samaria. Came, I mean, yeah, yeah, four seven. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Other translations say, I'm thirsty. Oh, he's the Son of God. Yeah, yeah, but he was fully man. He understood thirst. He said, I am thirsty. Do you know he only said that twice in Scripture? The second time he said it was when he died on the cross. I'm thirsty. He understood. He understood being in the flesh. 
and being thirsty, but he was going to use that to turn this woman's life around. Wow, hallelujah. I want you to notice something about this thirst, though. The woman had to leave home to get to the water. you got to leave some things to get some things. If you're really going to have an experience in the sanctuary, you need to let go of some things. You can't bring everything in here. Now, I know you bring your needs to the Lord, but you're supposed to leave them here, not walk out with them. But I'm not really talking about needs as much as a mindset that nothing changes. You just come to church. You just come to church, and the whole time you're here, you're wondering what time it is, what you're going to cook for dinner. Someone said they're coming over, and you don't like them, or, or the person sitting next to you is your arch enemy. I don't know, just coming up with stuff. You, you, your mindset never changes. You sit here and listen to music instead of worshiping. You judge the sermon by some weird standard instead of saying, this is the living word of God. Sometimes we judge the word by the way someone gives it out, like, like style means something. I, I remember reading about their old revivals 100 years ago, 150 years ago, and these guys, they, they would literally read their manuscript and the power of the Holy Spirit would come down on them. No style. If I sat here and just read you my sermon, I would probably bore you to death. But there was such an anointing on the Word. Oh, come on, you're not hearing me. There was such an anointing on the Word that all they did was just wrote. They just read through it word by word. But the Holy Spirit would fall. People would fall out in the Spirit just under a boring reading of the Word. I wish we could get back to the power of the Word and get away from the power of manipulation. It's not about how emotional I am or, or not. It's, you know, some people say, well, he, just, he just doesn't get emotional enough. If he'd holler more, I think he'd be more. Listen, I, I like what Abraham Lincoln said. He said, I don't bother listening to a preacher unless he can preach like his coattail. I, I, I believe you should be, I believe you, I believe you should feel what you preach. I, I, I believe, I, you know, if I'm bored, you're going to be bored, I guess. I don't know. But I'm just telling you, that even in those situations where you have no skills <laughs> and you're just reading it, the Word should be able to do what it does without the speaker having to do anything. We must leave. She had to leave home to get the water, to leave home. We need to leave work behind us. We need to leave problems behind us and just come into the sanctuary and realize we're in another land. We're in another zone. Amen. That's why you need to have an altar at home, and that's your zone. That's your place. Amen. we got to find ways to disconnect to the thirstings of this world and connect to the thirstings of another world. Number two, there is a thirst and there is a river. Again, go back to John chapter 7. And, and verse 38, he said, he, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, out of his innermost being, shall gush rivers, rivers of living waters. Notice he said it while sitting on a well. He was using the well as an illustration, but he changed his illustrations. He changes the metaphor. He said, this is a well, this is stagnant water. We can pull things out of there. 
And a lot of Christians are just pulling things out, just getting what you got to get to survive, just doing enough, praying enough, reading enough, being involved, coming to church enough, give enough just to get by. That's living at the well. Jesus didn't say it's like a well, though he was sitting on a well. Notice that. He said, out of your innermost being shall gush rivers of living waters. It's like if I can imagine a well and some kind of eruption at the bottom, and suddenly, if you can imagine, picture this with me, well, just water just gushing out of that well like a geyser and overflowing the well. And, and instead of us having to go draw water, the water's coming to us. Wow. What is this river? Uh, just real quick, we can talk about the river all day long. But let me give you four quick scriptures. It all starts in Genesis, right, chapter 2 and verse 10. Now a river, say a river, went out of Eden. It's not just in Eden. It's going out of Eden to water the garden. And from there it parted and became four river heads. So even in Eden, there's a river coming out of it. Just like Jesus said, there will be a river coming out of you. There's a difference between just wanting to get your thirst quenched and having enough water to help others drink. We see the river, secondly, in Psalms chapter 46 and verse 4. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. So when we talk about the tabernacle and the presence of God, there's a river running through it. There's a river running through this place. And it's supposed to go somewhere. Amen. If I could just get some gushers in this place instead of water pots. You say, yeah, but I got to keep getting my, yeah, it's because you're cracked. Ezekiel 47, I better move on now. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the rivers go, will live. Wherever the rivers go, life springs up. You say, why, why am I not seeing uh, uh, any kind of uh, uh, um, uh, 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 fruitfulness from my ministry? you got to have water. Wherever the river goes, life springs up. Can you imagine in mind's eye? Can you imagine? If you see pictures of the Nile River from up in space, you see the Nile River, and all along the Nile River, it's green. And everywhere beyond the green, it's just dead desert. But because the river flows through, oh, God, give us a river, give a river. There will be a great multitude of fish because these waters go there. For they will be healed and everything will live wherever the river goes. But there's got to be a river. Nothing lives in the well. Everything lives in the river. Last scripture, Revelation 22 Verse 1 and 2, here we see from Genesis to Revelation, and he showed me a pure what? River life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the, this again, and of the, and of the Lamb of the, verse 2, in the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month, the leaves of the treeling of the nations. I've often been asked, if there's no sickness in heaven, why? Is I don't know. But perhaps, I can't prove this, but maybe the first thing that happens when you get to heaven is you get to bite the apple. He didn't want Adam and Eve to eat the apple. Why? Because they would live forever. 
He didn't want them to go back and eat the apple after they sinned because then they would be living in their sin forever. So he blocked them from the tree of life. So maybe when we die, the first thing we do, and people often say, well, they didn't get healed in this life. They got healed in the next life. Maybe it's the tree of life that does that. Wow. I don't know. I don't know if we have to eat it every day. It said, it said 12, you know. But I'm, t- I'm telling you what, if that's true, you get your apple every month, okay? <laughs> don't die up there. But I know this, that there's a tree that bears fruit every month, and it's for the healing of the nations. Give him praise. Amen. It's God. Number three. Number three, and we'll close. There is a thirst that trigger that makes you want to go to him. There is a river that flows. But here's seven. He said, there is a flow. There is a flow. He said, out of his heart will flow rivers. Flow. Say flow rivers. Verse 39 then explains this, right? That this he spoke of the spirit that had not yet been given, but it was coming. He was coming. Amen. Notice the river is flowing. Oh. The best way to flow, not sit and listen to songs, but f- and it doesn't matter if you like the song, doesn't matter if the song went too long, doesn't matter if your legs hurt, whatever. The, sit down if you. It doesn't matter if you sit, stand, lay on your floor, lay on your on your face. I don't I I don't care how you worship, but you've got to worship to be in the flow. The very act of worship puts you in a flow. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's time that we walk in here and quit waiting. It seems like, you know, I, I grew up in the old church, and it seems that we all just kind of sat around, and they played the same song, and maybe if we sing it 15 times, someone will get it and something will break out. And we just waited for something to break out. Why don't we just break it? If you'll worship even if you don't feel like it. It won't take long until you feel like it. Don't wait until someone else breaks through. Don't wait until you feel something. Just go ahead and worship. Just go ahead and praise Him. Praise Him while you're hurting. Praise Him while you're confused. Praise Him while nothing makes sense. Praise Him when you're wore out, dead, tired. Praise Him when you go to bed at night. Praise Him when you're sleepy in the morning. Just go ahead and praise Him and watch the flows. Worship is the flow. It comes out of the tabernacle. It comes out of the very heart of God. Get in the glory. Hallelujah. We got too many people that come to worship, and all they do is take their shoes off, dip their toes in, and say, ooh, that's refreshing. Yeah, it is. I'm so tempted to throw you in. Come on. You know, I was in the U.S. Navy six years. I never learned how to swim, but they did teach me how to float. Like that's going to help me in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, I'm floating. (laughs) But if you could at least float. I mean, it's one thing to get in the river. It's something else to drown in the river. And some people have got into problems and hurts and situations and they start blaming God and they get bitter and they get disillusioned and and they give up on God. Those are the people who sink in the river. But some of us know how to go with the flow of the river. Quit fighting the river. Quit trying to go upstream when you need to just follow it. 
down. My, my, my burden's light. You don't even have to pedal if you're going with the flow. Paddle, I'm sorry. There is a flow. Say, there is a flow. What does that flow look like? Oh, I'm, I'm, he preached this so many times, so you know real quick. He said, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, your servant, my husband, is dead. Uh, Jews believed that that was old. the one who hid all the prophets in Elijah's time. Number two guy, or real close up there. Remember that? Obadiah. It's not in the scriptures, but the Jews, Obadiah. Your servant, my husband, is dead. You know that your servant, right, feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming. I didn't get an oh me or an amen there. Anybody owe any money in the house? The creditor is to take my two sons to be his slaves. That's how they settled debts back then. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what? And she said, your maidservant has no, I don't have anything. How many times have you prayed, God, I don't have anything in my head. Have you ever prayed that? Oh, be honest. I have nothing in the house. Oh, but I got this little jar of 100% virgin olive oil. I do have a little jar. Borrow vessels. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm in debt already. You want me to go more in debt? I got to. That's the answer? Instead of getting me out of debt, you want me to go more in debt. I'm already in so much debt, i got to sell my two sons. Now you want me to go in more debt. Go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all, you know, owe everybody. Don't just owe the guy that you bought the house from, but owe the whole neighborhood. Make them all mad at you. Get empty vessels and don't gather just a few. Go deep in debt. Right? What do we got? Three more verses. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons so that you don't hear the noise. Then pour it into all those vessels, that little jar of oil. Just start pouring it in the vessels. And oh, my, 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 my. And the more she poured, it just filled up that vessel. And it filled up a vessel bigger than the one she was pouring from. So she picked out another vessel and started pouring it out there, filled that one up. She said, look, it's not even going down. It's just, and she just keeps pouring, just keeps pouring. In the back of her head, she said, I wish I would borrowed more vessels. All of a sudden, you have faith when it's working. Poured in all those vessels, right? So, she, so she, she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Oh, it's time to pour it out, church. It's time to flow in the things of the Spirit. Now, it came to pass when, pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased when you stop providing, when you stop being available the oil stops. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil. You and your sons live. The poor woman became a wealthy woman. In the very next verse, there's another story. Why do we have a story about a poor woman that has nothing and a rich woman that has everything? 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 14. You still with me? Now, it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem. 
uh, where there was a notable, there was a wealthy, and that word means very wealthy woman, and she persuaded him to eat some. You know what? You know you're rich when God says you're rich. God said she was rich. You know, how many know being rich is relative anyway? We all think that anyone who makes more money than us is rich. Oh, they, they make good money. You don't. Everybody that has more money than you is rich. No, God said she was rich. She persuaded him to eat some food, so it was. So when he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. You know, she had a little restaurant set him. And she said to her husband, look, now I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly, right? So please let us make a small upper room on the wall. They put a bed there, a table, a chair, a lampstand. And whenever he wants to come by, it would be like, it would be like you get a call uh, by the, the, uh, uh, one of the hotels up here, right? Holiday Inn calls you and says, hey, we got a room. No one will stay in that room. That's your room. Anytime you want to come by and use the room, it's yours. Anytime you want the room, it's yours. We're just saving it for you. Can we get an amen to that? And wherever he comes to us, he can turn in there. Wow. Pretty good deal. And it happened one day that he, that he came there and he turned into the upper room and lay, lay down there, got his little rest. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite woman. Uh, when he had called her, she stood before him, okay? And he said to her, she said to him, um, say now to her, look, you, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on king or to the commander of the army? No, I, I dwell among my own people. So she said, what, what the, actually, she has no son, and her husband is, she has no son. Isn't it interesting that the thing this woman lacks, the other woman had too. We all lack something. She had everything but the one thing. That would be more precious than everything. So you see a rich woman who was really poor and another poor woman that was really rich. She had everything she needed. So she gave him a free room. But you know what? You know what they both needed? They both needed a flow. The one woman needed a flow in her husband's body and she and the other woman needed a flow. Today, church, we need to leave the shore and get in the river. That's why we worship. It's not about what you feel, it's not about what you've been through, but that's why we worship. Someone might say, why, why do we sing? You know, I think sometimes we sing so we can get the noise of, we can get the world's songs out of our head. Come on, do you ever get, do you ever get a worldly song in your head and you can't get it out? We need to sing in here so we can get the song of the world out of here. We dance in here because so we can we can we can dance to a different tune and a different partner. We shout to tear down the walls that the world has raised. We raise our hands so we can let go of this world. We lie prostrate to keep our eyes on him instead of our eyes on the world. We clap our hands as the drummer beats the drum. We clap our hands, amen, to defeat the enemy of our soul.